This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. I'm back from vacation. Had a wonderful time on the beach. How you doing? Do you guys miss me? <clears throat> I miss you. I miss talking to this microphone. I miss talking to uh, the empty space that is uh, the room I'm in. However, I am golden. I am so tan right now. I had a wonderful time at the beach. I am back. Life has started all over again. Back to the normal. Back to the grind. Back to the MMA podcasting grind. This is MMA Takes Podcast, episode 23. Big week. Big fight week. Uh, one of the best pay-per-views. You know, I mean, maybe the year, I think, on paper at least, is this weekend in Chicago. UFC 225, where I'm going to pick every single fight. I can't get enough. I have so many bets. I've already placed three bets on this card, and uh, more is coming, I'm assuming. Um, I like a lot of unders. A little preview for later. You have to wait to, you have to, wait to find out. Um, but, yeah, so I'm back. Vacation was lovely. Um, Utica, UFC Utica was on Friday night. Tried to catch most of it. Had to a, had a rewatch some of it on Saturday and Sunday. But uh, it was it was a lovely, lovely, lovely time, and uh, I am glad to be back staring into this microphone. And uh, yeah, so that's all I gotta say about vacation. Uh, if I sound happy, it's because I'm tan and, and and I'm looking good and I'm feeling good. And my little baby enjoyed the beach. My wife, who was afraid of the ocean for better part of her life. Um, and I'm not afraid of the ocean. I mean, I'm afraid of sharks. But, you know, I go out in the ocean. I like swimming in the ocean. And uh, she, this was our first vacation together, and she came out in the ocean with us. And it was fun. And I actually couldn't get her out, which is a little odd. But uh, lovely to be back. I can't wait to talk about everything that is going on in MMA. And with that, we go to this. Hey guys, guys, I got some news, some terrible news. We got a huge problem. I had to do it. I had to throw a little audio in there to present my news, my little news segment, current news, whatever. And but what, but what, what better way to do that than with Mac? Probably one of my all-time favorite TV shows of all time. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mac running through the bar with that duster. I mean, I could talk about it all day. I might that might be my second podcast. But uh, I had to do it. So we're in the current news here. The biggest thing that I caught during this week was a, a, a video that came out uh, of Darren Till trying to cut weight. Obviously, he missed weight for his fight, UFC Liverpool. He missed by four pounds. Um, the video is, I mean, listen, I've seen guys in the gym cut weight. It, it's not a pretty part of the job. I mean, there were kids in high school that would cut a lot of weight and uh, for wrestling. And it was, you know, it's just one of those things. It's part of the sport. It's part of the game. I mean, do I agree with it? Do I like it? Do I think it's like an ugly part of the sport? I mean, sure. All those things are all those things are true. But it, you know, the Darren Till video didn't bother me as much as it bothered some of the other media members because I kind of seen weight cuts firsthand. Weight cuts are brutal. Darren Till obviously came in really heavy. He's been off for a while, well over two hundred pounds. Uh, when he started to his, when he started this camp, he was well over two hundred pounds. During fight week, I don't know how much he weighed. I would like to guess probably 185, 183. I'm sure he had to cut maybe 13 pounds. And I think when you just start so big and you come in that big in camp, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, it's, it's just a problem. It's a problem for everybody. 
Um, a lot of the media members need to, you know, there's talk about the weight cutting issue. There's stats out there that ever since UFC switched to the morning weigh-ins, there's been a lot, uh, a lot of fighters, more fighters missing weight. The fighters that miss weight and they go on to fight still are like seven and one in the UFC, maybe even eight and one. I don't know that stat offhand, but I just I don't think there's anything you can do. I mean, there's some ideas out there. The fighters from I think it's fifty fifty or maybe even sixty forty. The fighters want their morning weigh-ins because they want to rehydrate more. That was why they were put in place. A lot of fighters are missing weight now because um, maybe they're not used to it, or maybe they're not used to weight, cutting weight so early in the morning or through the night or, or what have you. Eddie Alvarez tweeted out it has nothing to do with weighing in the morning or weighing at night. It has everything to do with you. You sign the contract to fight at 170 pounds. You've got to make 170 pounds. That has everything to do with you. And I agree with that. I agree that a fighter um, should not be carrying so much weight and stuff like that. Kenny Florian said on the podcast, uh, his podcast with John Ennick, that when he cut to 45 for the auto fight, he started um, camp at 186, and, and he was very heavy. And that's a 40 something pound weight cut um essentially in eight weeks. I don't know how long his camp was, could have been ten weeks. It's a lot of weight to get off. Um, because I mean it's not like you're just losing weight, you're also trying to build some muscle. And then the final, you know, 10, 15, hopefully not 20 pounds could be water weight, and that's what you uh you shed the week of. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers to this. I wish I did. I, I've actually never cut weight. Um so I can't speak on it. I've seen it in person, I've helped People lose weight, and it's it's scary. It's it's uh, an unpleasant thing. But again, it's part of the part of the sport. I know um, a lot of people, a lot of reporters. Josh Gross being one of them doesn't want weight classes. He, you know, whatever you walk around at, that's what you fight at. Um, I don't, you know, bo- that, boxing doesn't have this issue that much, and uh, I'm not sure why. Guys are either fighting smaller or bigger, or whatever. Weight, weight cutting is. Um, obviously these guys that are from MMA are a lot of them are coming over wrestling and the wrestling mentality of, I got to cut that weight. I got to make that weight. Uh, Daniel Cormier didn't fight at 205 initially in his career because he had, he had weight cutting problems with his kidneys. And, um, it, it's just part of the sport that's really ugly. And I wish I had the answer for it. Now, Dana has came out and tweeted saying that they're talking about moving the weigh-ins back to the afternoon. Um, if that works, great. If not, I don't think it's going to work. And we'll jump in right to my hot take. A little of a weak hot take this week. I don't really have too much, but about the weight issue, I don't think, I don't think you. There's no way to fix it. Guys are going to miss weight because guys are going to come in too heavy. Um, it's going to be hard to lose weight. Guys battle injuries. Uh, you know, like a guy will. You know, cardio. You got to run. You got to get on the bike. You got to on the versa climber. Those are those are fat loss solutions. You're going to burn fat that way. Get on the treadmill. What have you. Guys mess up their ankles, mess up their foots, their tendons. You know, Dominic uh, uh, Cruz, who's never missed weight, has plantar fasciitis on both his feet. You know, he doesn't, he can't, he says he runs, he wears orthopedics, and he does, you know, he does, and he's always in great shape. But a lot of guys deal with injuries like that that prevent him from really getting the weight off. So the hot take is, is that early morning weigh-ins, day weigh-ins, there's nothing you can do, right? Fighters going to miss weight. I don't think fighters are more concerned about this guy has to weigh in at this time. That's more of a commission thing. I think the only idea I have, and I stole this from Ray Longo, is let him weigh in all day. 
if you want to wake up and you're on weight and you can weigh in the morning like a guy like Robert Whitaker who doesn't probably doesn't cut a lot of weight for one, 185. He could wake up in the morning, weigh in. Yo Romero, if he wants to, he can weigh in. Um, I say you have to weigh in before the ceremonials because they weigh in the morning and they do the the the, the weigh-in show with the stare-downs and all that shit um, later. I think the rule is you can weigh in in the morning and you have up to a half hour before the ceremonials to weigh in again. That's the only logical thing I could think of. I think a lot of fighters might like that. It could give other fighters fair advantage. It could give other, you know, there's, there's obviously politics involved. There's no real clear cut answers, but again, back to circling back to the Darren Till thing. I don't think that weight cutting video was that disturbing. A lot of people saying he's losing vision, which obviously happens. I mean, weight cutting, there's deaths in you know different countries. Uh, I want to say weekly. I might not even say monthly, but it, it has happened. You know, weight cutting is no joke. Shut your kidney down like that, and uh, that's it. You know, lights out. You know, you have a problem. And and um, I think the solution is 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 guys shouldn't be cutting that much weight. I, I'm not a. I I think weight cutting needs to be in the sport because that's what the sport is. But a guy like Darren Till might. You know, maybe there should be something put in place. Like if you can't make seventy healthy, then you got to go to eighty five. Like they they made Kelvin Gastelum move up. Because he kept missing weight, and that might have been on him. That might have been his body. No one really knows. I know a lot of people were blaming Kelvin because he didn't have much discipline, and um, and what have you. But I wish I had better answers. You know, I wish I wish I if I had the answers, I would I would be working for some kind of organization that did it. But I mean, I guess I would uh, dovetail off Ray Longo and say, let him weigh in all day. You got a half hour before the ceremonials to get on weight, to rehydrate, what have you. And uh, yeah, so that and then the the bare knuckle pay per view. I don't even know what it was called. I think it was just called bare knuckle boxing. Had a couple familiar faces on there. A lot of people, no one really brought this up to me because I don't think any of my real friends really knew this was going on because you know it's, it was it was an event that uh, didn't get a lot of attention, I guess, for for casuals. People always assume that I like like blood and gore and stuff like that. I remember talking to a guy at work years ago and you know, he, you know, I was an MMA fan. I, I used to wear my BJ Penn shirts and, and he'd ask about it or whatever like that. I never wore, I never wore a tap out shirt or an affliction shirt. I want to make that on the record, but I did have quite a few BJ Penn shirts. Um, he just was like, yeah, so you like horror movies too. Like he assumed, and this could just be this fucking idiot, but he assumed since I liked MMA, he assumed I liked horror movies with the blood and gore and the violence and stuff like that. I don't ever look at MMA as like it's a it's beautiful violence to me. It's it's an art form. It's very artistic. These guys train their whole lives this. A lot of these guys don't really want to hurt somebody. And I'm kind of in that camp. I don't really want to see like a bloody fight and and just be inhumane and stuff like that. I, I'm I'm so glad the rules were put in place the way it was. You know, cut back to the bare knuckle boxing. Every fucking fight and i only saw the highlights of every fight someone was bleeding someone's hands broken someone's knuckles broken uh joey beltran former ufc fighter former bellator fighter he fought tony lopez who i think i don't know if he ever made the ufc but i know he was like the king of the, he was a king of the cage guy for a while they had like this you know epic brawl whatever it was just i mean they're bleeding all over each other and they're hitting they both got tired and they're socking each other with you know open knuckles and it just um just not for me it's just you know i i i prefer to me, that's not a sport. You know what I mean? Uh, sport. Every sport you name, there's some kind of equipment or rules and everything set in place. And, and this bare knuckle boxing thing did have some rules, 
But um, yeah, I'm not a barbarian. I don't like. I, I prefer to stay away from that stuff. I'm not. I'm not really uh, keen on that. I think they had it in Montana because Montana doesn't have a athletic commission. Montana let it uh, let it go down. They probably did it in some like Indian Indian reservation where fucking you can do anything you want. But uh, no, not my bag. Not my bag. But that happened this weekend. Beck Rawlings fought. Um, who else fought? Rico Rodriguez. I don't know how he did. Uh, that's, I mean, that's about it. Joey Beltran, who I mentioned earlier, who cares? Who cares? Last little piece of news here. Um, Conor McGregor tweeted out yesterday. He made the top four. He, he was 35th last year before the Floyd fight uh, on the Forbes list, the annual Forbes list. He was the 30, 35th highest paid athlete. You know, he made the list. This year, he was number four, only behind Floyd, Messi, and Ronaldo. So he tweet he Instagrammed out that he would have been ahead of Ronaldo and Messi. <clears throat> excuse me, he would have been ahead of Ronaldo and Messi if he would have taken a fight on May twelfth, but that didn't happen. Now, uh, I was curious myself. Ariel Hawani apparently had a story a month ago. I don't know. I don't. I don't <clears throat> follow him exclusively, but apparently, excuse me, had to take a. Have a take a drink of a uh, grandpa's cough medicine there to get rid of that little frog in my throat. So apparently Connor was supposed to fight RDA for the welterweight title in Rio on May twelfth. Why I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe to give him his third belt and more legacy and give him multi million dollars. Um, that was a fight that was supposed to happen for the fifty five pound title. Um, RDA broke his foot. Nate Diaz stepped in. Rest is history. They were supposed to fight in Rio on May 12th, and I don't know why the fight didn't happen. Um, timing, money, what have you. Kind of an odd place for Connor to go. I know Brazil's a big market for the UFC, but it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, it would have made money because it's a Connor fight, but what have you. I found that interesting, though, that uh, that was going to happen. I, I don't like Connor at welterweight. I think they're just throwing him a belt. He's going to pick up a couple more millions. I think RDA is a really good matchup for him. I think he, that's, a, that's a winnable fight for him. So it was really smart on Connor's part to try to get that fight. And uh, I wish I knew what happened, but I don't. So, fuck it. But, yeah, interesting uh, interesting little tidbit there. Connor could have passed Messi and uh, Ronaldo if he would have taken that fight on May 12th. But he said, uh, you know, let me pull that up. I have a smartphone. I have working hands. I, I want to know exactly what uh, Mr. McGregor said here. And uh, if anything... I'm thorough on this podcast. I probably should have had this written down and could have been a little more. Here we go. So he's staring out of a car with some guy next to him. If I had fought on the agreed May 12th bout in Rio de Janeiro, I would have surpassed Ronaldo and Messi to take second place. Something came up, however. Ah, well, still on 30. Okay, so something came up. So it sounds like he might have pulled out of that um, for whatever reason. Oh, well, probably maybe the uh, Dolly incident. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So let's go to USC Utica, a fight night that uh, on my last podcast, I call that the drowsy podcast. I was half asleep. Don't remember really recording much of it. Um, should get my brain checked out because I don't really remember it. However, USC Utica was on Friday nights. It was a solid card. Um, some fights were okay. There was a lot of young guys that I was really looking forward to. And uh, we'll start right with uh, Jose Torres, who is a multi? He's a champ outside of the uh, outside of the UFC. Um, 
had a lot of hype around him. And uh, I was really interested in watching him fight. He fought Jarrett Brooks, who's a tough matchup. Jarrett Brooks is like an old school grinder, really good wrestler, really hard to look good against. Um, I thought he got robbed on his last decision. He lost in Brazil, a split decision. I thought he won that, not because I had money on it. It's not because I had money on it. It's not because I had money on it. I did think he won. Um, this fight kind of went as I expected. Uh, Jose, I thought, was quicker on the feet, was uh, looked good on the feet, but Jarrett was just too big, too strong, took him down. Uh, Jose got a takedown on his own. But then the, the fight ended very controversially. In the second round, um, Jarrett Brooks went for uh, a lift takedown and kind of like a slam. And it was a really awkward way he did it. I'm not sure what he was thinking. Maybe he was trying to drop Torres on his head. But he landed on his head, knocked himself out, and then Torres uh, basically KO, TKO'd him and got the win. Um, I wish we would have saw more from Torres. Actually, I know this is a really hard matchup. I think uh, he, he's gonna be he's gonna be around for a while. I do. I think he's gonna be a good guy. I think he has he has some talent. Um, and poor Jarrett Brooks. That's two in a row now. I, I, he's not the most exciting guy, but I do think he belongs in the UFC. I think. Uh, I think. I don't think you run this back. I don't think you do that. I think you you move forward, and maybe they'll if um, both of them can pick up some wins and get some steam. Then you can do a rematch and build the hype up that way. Another guy, uh, Nathaniel Wood, Nate Wood, little Englishman, had a lot of hype around him. I watched. I, I this guy was blowing up my Twitter. I started following him on Twitter. Handsome guy. Um, really good stand-up, really good striker, kind of well-rounded. But in his earlier fights from, I guess, Cage Warriors, but it could have been something else in, 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 over there in Europe, um, he gets hit a lot, he gets hurt, and uh, Johnny Aguero pieced him up in that first round bad. Uh, Wood's face all lumped up. Aguero uh, actually wobbled uh, Wood a little bit, and then I just ran out of gas, and, and, and Nathan Wood came back and, and ended up submitting him. He got a performance in the night bonus. He's not my guy yet. You know, I got a list of my guys, and he's not on them. I, I did a lot of research on this guy. I would have bet I, I would have bet him. I believe he was the favorite. I did not place any bets for this fight, um, for this card, I should say. But um, I, I, he's not there yet. I don't think he's there yet. I don't like guys that he's a young kid, and he's already taking a lot of punishment. I think you need to work on your defense. I think you're exciting. I think you have, you have good hands. But you got pieced up by Uredo, who was who was a great striker. He's he's almost forty years old. He's a veteran of sport. Uh, I don't know how many UFC fights I was for him. I mean, probably a hundred. But he's not there yet. Nate was not there yet. So we don't have to go through the entire card. Um, just a couple of highlights there. So we got Ben Saunders, Killer Beavers, Jake Ellenberger. This fight, it was just kind of sad to see because both guys are kind of past their prime. Jake Ellenberger, not that old of a guy, but he's had over 40 fights. And I, I can't even tell you the last time he won a fight. Ben Saunders has been doing this for a very long time. He looked good. I mean, the, the Jake Ellenberger fought like a complete idiot. I mean, why would you clinch with Ben Saunders? He's got knee in his gut and fell down. Good for Ben Saunders. I think he's a true good guy of the sport. Seems like a really nice guy. I don't know him personally. He just seems that way. Ellenberger, I believe there is a fight. I believe they they announced it, I don't know, maybe in July. Maybe in, I think it's the end of August. The end of August, Jake Ellenberger is from Nebraska. They're going to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, the main event, Ally Quinto versus Justin Gaethje. I think Jake Ellenberger, give him a fight on that. Make that a swan song. Hang him up. Be a coach. Do what you got to do. I don't know. Sam Alvey won a controversial decision. 
you know, um, it was it was a little lackluster fight. Sam obviously is a really good counterpuncher. Uh, Volante, I thought if he mixed things up, could have won that fight. Sam landed the bigger, harder strikes. Volante was coming forward, but wasn't really doing anything. Um, he was throwing stuff, but not really hitting anything. I mean, he I mean he had Sam a few times. It was a close fight. It was a split decision win for Sam. Um, I thought Sam w- relied a little too much on his counter. I thought he I thought he thought. I thought he thought he thought, blah, blah, blah. Sam Alvey went in there thinking that Volante was just going to push forward, which he did, but he didn't push forward super aggressive. And I think the reason, because at the end of the first round, Sam dropped him really bad with a big left hand. Um, and I think that slowed Volante down a little bit. If Volante would have mixed up a little bit more, I think he could have won that fight. But I did have Sam win in a very close fight. Um, and then Gregor Gillespie, my boy, um, really high on this guy. He, uh, Vince Pichel, a huge, uh, lightweight, not a small man, doesn't have an E on the last name, last, uh, end of his fucking first name, which drives me nuts, but he's a big guy. He was a big underdog. I thought there was some value in that bet because he's eight and one in the UFC. He's not the most active guy. Pretty good on the ground, but Craig Gillespie took him down, submitted him in the round two, um, completely controlled it. And, um, and he looked good. The only problem with Gregor is he, is he's hittable. You know, he needs to clean that up a little bit. He comes from a great camp, Belmore kickboxing. I think uh, his, his his stand-up is, is good. I don't think he's a one-punch knockout artist, but he's going to be a really tough matchup for a lot of guys. I don't, And he's not in the top 10 yet. I don't think he's in the top 15, but uh, I don't I don't see a lot of guys in the top 15 wanting to really fight this kid. I think he's uh, I think he's that good. I mean, he landed seven takedowns over Vince Michelle. I mean, that's pretty pretty goddamn good. Um, yeah, and then the main event, obviously, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Rice. And in 33 seconds, listen, Jimmy is a fantastic fighter. Doesn't fight a lot. He made the littlest mistake, and he got clipped with a kick. He had his hands up, but he just it just went through, got finished, got TKO on the ground. Marlon is a born finisher, and um, I like this. I like we need new blood in this division so much. Marlon, um, I think his only fight that makes sense is maybe um, Dominic Cruz. I think maybe if you're not going to get the winner of TJ, TJ and uh, Cody are fighting in August, August 4th, my birthday. What's up? And I think you need to stay ready in case one of those guys go out because I think you're going to get the call. And Dom's not going to be ready till November. So if you don't get the title fight, then I think Dom makes sense. I think either of these guys should fight Dom. That's what I think should happen. Rafael Sansal maybe is in the mix as well. He's kind of the forgotten guy a little bit. But overall, a really good card with some really good young talent. I was very happy watching that and uh, couldn't have been um, couldn't have been better. I wish I put some money on it. I think I would have lost, though. I, I, I'm glad I didn't put shekels on the pot. I, know, I knew I was going to watch it, so I was just like, ah, I know I'm not going to be able to watch it live. And I was able to watch it live, but I fell asleep like a little baby. Because I was all sunburned and, and tired for uh, for you know swimming laps and playing with dolphins and shit in the ocean, but um, yeah, so really good card, really solid card in U- uh, Utica fight night, um, and then we get to the big dog UFC 225. I'm gonna pick every single fucking fight for you. You're welcome. Win some money. Let's go. There's actually quite a few unders that I like in this. The cards. Tip to tail is is really, really good. Really interesting. A lot of these kind of new faces that, you know, because, like, the headliner is Whitaker Romero, which both fantastic fighters, but they're not, like, the biggest names, right? Yo Romero probably has one of the best shirts 
in uh in the UFC store. I, I'm I'm sure Reebok makes it. Um, and it's like I love you, whatever his accent is when he told that to Michael Bisping. Really cool shirt. Uh, little tidbit, little little factoid there. And Robert Whitaker is just, Bobby Knuckles. Great nickname. Bobby Knuckles is a fantastic fighter. But you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end there. We're gonna start somewhere else. So we're gonna go Mike San, Mike Santiago versus Dan Eag. Dan Eag coming off a loss. Santiago coming off a loss as well. Dan Eag more of a grinder grappler. Um, kind of can do it all, but he's more of a grinder grappler. Um, submission went submission artist. Mike Santiago, he fought Zabib, Magomed Sharipov, um, and got cracked with a lot of stuff. He hung in there tough. This fight was hard for me to pick. Santiago's the underdog. Listen, they're they're pretty much even money, but when you get two guys that are pretty evenly matched with not, you know, I don't think one of these guys stands apart from the other. Like I don't think Dan Eag is that much better than Santiago. I don't think Santiago's that much better than Eag. It's kind of a crapshoot. Um, personally, I would probably avoid this, but since since Santiago's got a little kickback there at plus one ten or one fifteen, excuse me. I mean, you could throw him in a little mini parlay. That's what I did. Um, you can throw him in a little mini underdog parlay, three fight underdog parlay, put twenty bucks down, pay out over three hundred. Santiago might be a good choice for you. I think he's got good striking. I think he's pretty well rounded. I think he gets taken down a little too much. He could be looking for the takedown. They did like a little piece on him on a MMA website. Dan Eag, the handsome guy, um, trains out of Hawaii. I don't know if he trains with Max Holloway or not, but he uh, trains out of Hawaii. But I'm gonna go Mike Santiago just because he's the underdog. Now, if Dan Eag was the underdog, I'd go Dan Eag. That's just that's just the way it is. Next up, this is the second fight on the fight pass prelims. That's how good this card is. Clay Guida versus Charlo Rivera. Charlo Rivera is like one of the hardest guys to to predict to pick because sometimes he looks amazing and sometimes he just quits in there. I mean, literally, that's just what happens. Like, you know, with Jim Miller, I, I could have swore this guy's smoking Jim Miller and Jim Miller submits him. You know, Charles Rivera is a great submission artist, but he's been submitted quite a bit. I mean, Anthony Pettis got him. Clay Guida is, is a tough guy to submit. Clay Guida is fighting at a great camp right now. I love that he went back to 55. I don't, you know, again, I mean, he's he's a smaller guy, so 45 wasn't, like, a the biggest thing. But I feel like he's healthier, and he's his cardio machine at um, at 55. I see uh, Charles Oliveira. I mean, Clay Guida is your classic puts you to the fence, gets you down, whatever. That's why he's, he doesn't get submitted a whole lot. I see Clay Guida actually pushing the pace in this. I see Oliveira kicking the shit out of Clay Guida's body, kicking his head, kicking his legs. And um, what's the line here? Okay, so Guida's the underdog. I got plus 125. I go Clay Guida here. Oliveira has a good track record against these wrestlers. Nick Lentz is, is similar to Clay Guida the way they fight. Clay Guida I don't think is going to have much standing. Hopefully he doesn't think he's this world-class boxer now because he knocked out uh, Joe Lowe's on his last fight. I think I really think this is his maybe fourth or fifth fight since joining Team Alpha Male. He's from Chicago. It's in Chicago. I think he's coming out guns a-blazing. I think it's going to be a close fight. I think if Clay Guida doesn't win a decision or maybe some kind of cut stoppage, then Oliveira is going to finish him with something, maybe a kick or a submission. But with Clay Guida at plus 125, that might be a that might be a good little uh might be a good little parlay there with uh, my boy Matt Santiago. Next up, again, third fight on the prelims. I know a lot of people are complaining about CM Punk being on the main card. I am not one of those people. I think CM Punk is going to sell tickets. I was in Chicago, or I'm sorry, I was in Cleveland when he fought Mickey Gall 
Probably one of the best walkouts ever was Mickey Gall coming out to, hey, Mickey, you're so fine. I bought into the, you know, they had that little um, Fox Sports, had that little uh, documentary series or whatever, four, four fight series on CM Punk training to be a fighter. My wife got hooked on it. She really liked CM Punk. She was rooting for him, had to buy her shirt, the whole nine. Um, and then he just got smoked. I mean, that's just what happens. So with being, but with that being said, circle back, Benavidez, I don't think should be on the prelims. I get it. I've, I've said on this podcast before, they need to do something for fight pass the, to get the subscribers. Maybe that's what, why they're putting Rashad Evans, who's fighting next in Benavidez on fight pass, because both these guys, one former world champion, one guy who's fought for two world titles, the best flyweight in the world, not named Demetrius Johnson, is Joseph Benavidez. Putting him on the undercard is is a little is a little soft, in my opinion. Putting him on the fight pass prelims, I think he maybe should be headlining the FS1 prelims. But you know, uh, this is his first fight back in a while. I think Joe B has got a great personality. Um, this is a fight I'm going to avoid. I don't. I really don't think Sergio Pettis has anything for. Uh, for Benavidez, I know a lot of uh, the uh, handicappers out there on Twitter say there's some good value in uh, Pettis because he is a he's a world class fighter. He he's very talented in his own right. I just think Joe B. I know he's had a layoff. I just think he's gonna be coming forward. I think he hits harder. I think he's quicker. I think he's more aggressive. I just don't know what Sergio Pettis can do. I think Joseph Benavidez can take Pettis down whenever he wants. I think he can hit him whenever he wants. I know Sergio is a he has got a good record. He's 16 and 3. He's a solid guy. He's number five ranked in the world. He's young. I just don't think uh he's ready for the beast that is just Benavidez. Uh the line, if you're curious, is Benavidez is a minus 250 favorite while Pettis, you're getting a kickback at 210 plus 210. Again, uh, some guys do like the value. I, I'm actually going to avoid this fight. I do think uh, Benavidez is 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 going to win that one. And then the, I guess the prelim main event here, the fight pass part, is Rashad Evans versus Anthony Smith. Sh- Rashad Evans, sugar. Rashad Evans is coming back up to 205 after having a couple fights at 85. He's he lost to Dan Kelly, Sam Alvey. I'm sure, there's another one in there. Hasn't looked himself. I mean, I like Rashad. I liked Rashad from the Ultimate Fighter Season 2. I was a fan of his. I mean, um, cutting weight at an older age, I never recommend it. Fighters are usually never the same when they go back up. Just ask Roy Jones Jr. He's fighting a guy named Anthony Smith, who is a beast. Anthony Smith, last time out, was at 85 himself. He's a big kid. He fought um, Tiago Santos. Had Santos rocked, ended up getting finished himself. I had I had money on Smith that fight, so I'm not going to hold a grudge. I just uh, I just I just hope he doesn't win. But this is a Rashad's a huge huge underdog favorite here. Rashad Evans plus two sixty kickback with Anthony Smith at minus three ten. I in my heart in my brain. Okay, let, let me in my brain. And Anthony Smith should win, right? He's bigger. He's more powerful. Um, he's a finisher. Rashad might be past his prime. However, Anthony Smith is no by no means a world beater at 185 or 205. I think he's a talented fighter, but he's not. He's not the you know he's not um, not world class yet. I don't think. And then you've got a guy like Rashad Evans who might be past his prime, but he's a former world champion. And he's coming off, and he trains hard. He's going to be in shape. He trains with a good camp, knows what he's doing. He has the skills to beat Anthony Smith. 
He could take Smith down. You know, he can box with Smith if he wanted to. Smith throws a lot of kicks, which worry me. I think a kick could catch Rashad and put him out. This might be Rashad's last fight. I like Rashad moving back up. Um, I don't like him at 185. So, upset city here. I'm picking Rashad Evans. I can't bet against him at plus 260. And full disclosure, I've already put a, put money on Rashad Evans. When you got Rashad Evans, who is who is a world-class fighter, who is who was and is still, in my opinion, a, a, a world-class guy, a Hall of Fame fighter, he could turn back the clock. I think this is a good matchup. This is a good test of where he's at because, like I said before, Anthony Smith isn't at the top of the fucking food chain. Rashad can get this done. Let's go, Rashad. Let's win me some, me some money here, Paolo. All right, so the FS1 prelims on FS1 is going to kick off with a heavyweight fight. Uh, if, you're, if you're a big guy, and you're training MMA right now, and you're trying to lose weight, and you might want to fight at 205 or 185, don't do it, right? Because if these two guys are fighting in the UFC, then you could fight in the UFC. They need heavyweight so goddamn bad that, you know, humble brag here, if I was still training, I'm a big guy, I'd be a heavyweight. I wouldn't cut the weight. I wouldn't lose the weight, right? I would I would be 260, fat and happy, and fighting and getting in the UFC because... Chris De La Rocha versus Rashad Coulter. Rashad Coulter, 8-3. and three, f- No martial arts training before fighting MMA. He was a football player. Chris De La Rocha, he's 4-2. and two. You, uh, On some websites, he's 3-2. and two. He's 0-2 in the UFC. Both knockout losses. Listen, uh, I mean, Chris De La Rocha looks like a cop, right? He looks like a guy that's a cop that was a retired one's like, oh, hey, you should fight in the UFC. And somehow he fucking got there. How do you, I mean, he obviously was 3-0 or 4-0 in the UFC when they brought him in, right? He's uh, he's an aggressive guy. He comes forward. He gets hit a lot. And he doesn't have much of a chin. Rashad Coulter, kind of a, you know, average side guy, not the biggest, not the biggest heavyweight, powerful though. I think his boxing needs a lot of work, but I do think he has power. He is the slight favorite in this fight with De La Rocha. I wouldn't put any money on De La Rocha, although I think he could come out and he could, he's very aggressive. He doesn't take a backward step, so he can come out, he could catch Coulter. I think Coulter is more athletic. He's going to hit hard. I think he'll put uh, De La Rocha away. Fight that I'm not really looking forward to, a little misplaced. This should have been on Utica. This shouldn't be on this card. Next up, we got Ricardo Lamas versus Mursad Betik. I believe this is the first time we're seeing Ricardo Lamas after getting devastatedly knocked out by Josh Emmett. I think, look, Lamas, is, he's been around for a while. He's a Chicago guy. He won at this fight. Mursad Bektik is a um, really highly touted guy from Bosnia. His only blemish on his record is from, is to the fucking the damage Darren Elkins, which he was destroying Darren, and then Darren ended up knocking him out. Listen, Ricardo Lamas, I think is I still think he's he's one of those guys that's he's not quite past his prime yet. I know he's he's looked a little uh I mean he got knocked out by Emmett, which was which was terrible, but he just got caught really bad. I don't think Bursek or Bektik, excuse me, Bektik has credible power in his hands. He's more of a grappler guy. He's more of um you know, well, actually, you know, it does say he has quite some few finishes. I don't think he's finished Lamas. Lamas is a plus one ninety underdog. I like that pick. Lamas is the hometown guy. I think Lamas is a vet, and I don't think he's going to get outworked by this guy. I think this guy is going to um, fade. I think Bektik has been tired in some fights, and I think he's going to get tired again. And I see Lamas kind of uh, maybe winning a decision, maybe a controversial decision, maybe some home cooking. 
But uh, either way, he'll get it done. I, I'm going to have money on that fight. Next up, we got Claudia Gadela, who I think is incredibly hot. A lot of people think she looks like a Hennem Barrow with hair, long hair, but uh, I think she is very easy on the eyes. Versus Carla Esparza, who people think are hot, who I don't think is that hot. But uh, Carla Esparza... Coming off a, a controversial decision win over Cynthia Cal, uh, Calvillo and Gadela coming off a loss over Jessica Andres. She just got, Gadela just got, I mean, Andres is huge for that weight class. She just got out muscled, I believe. Let's see, has this line moved? Okay, yeah. So Esparza is a plus 405 underdog. I, in my brain, I think Gadela is the more talented fighter and she's going to win. Esparza has good wrestling and knows how to win fights. I'm putting money. I mean, when you're plus 405 and you're a former world champion and your record's 14 and 4, I don't care what you did your last fight. I don't care what you did your previous fight, right? I don't care what you're going to do this fight. You, that's value right there. If, if people aren't taking Carlos Esparza, they're nuts, right? My brain's telling me, Claudia Gadela, but my wallet's going, hey, man, you could use another TV. Put some money on Carla Esparza, who's plus 402 or 5, whatever the fuck I said. Oh, I'm getting worked up. So I like Esparza. I, I I really do. I truly think this is might be the best underdog pick of the night. Um, again, I love this card with these unders. I'm feeling confident. I, I you know, when I feel I, when I feel it, when I feel this confidence, I usually win some money, boys. Let's do it. Carla Esparza plus 405. Bet the house, bet the mortgage. Let's go. Uh, next up, Alistair Overeem's Curse Blaze. A lot of controversy. They were on the main card. They got bumped down in the prelims for CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. I get it. You're selling pay-per-views. This fight is probably the hardest fight for me to pick on the card. Alistair Overeem hasn't fought since um, Francis Ganyu took his soul with that horrible knockout. And Curtis Blades is coming off a win over Mark Hunt. Curtis Blades is 9-1. Only loss in his career and in the UFC, obviously, is to Francis Naganyu, which was from cuts. It wasn't even like a full-fledged stoppage. That was uh, Naganyu's first fight in the UFC. Listen, the old dog, Alistair Overeem, has been around for a while. He's talented. He's a smart fighter. He he, he went through that stretch when he when he was beating uh, Arlovsky and Dos Santos. I believe he did those back-to-back where he fought with angles and he was pot-shiding. And uh, that was working for him. And then he comes out in Ganyu and comes straight for him. I don't know if he's still with Jackson. I don't know if what's going on there. Why he he's you know if he's training in Europe or or what it, it, you know if he if he switched some things up and the game plan got switched up. Um, God, this this is a hard fight. Usually, whenever it's a hard fight, I usually stay away from it. Overeem is a plus one four five under with Blades at a minus one seventy. Um, my my everything's telling me Blades will win and maybe catch him and, and stop him, but I can see I can see Blades getting a little arrogant and you know he's a big kid getting in there you know he doesn't he doesn't really shoot that much he'll kind of take you down from the clinch, um, and I don't know if he'll be able to take Alistair even if he shoots an Alistair I think Alistair is, is tough to take down. This could be a weird fight. This is either gonna I think this might be really boring. I I think. I think they might have made a mistake. I think Joseph Benavidez should have been here because I think him and Pettis is I think he I think that's gonna be an exciting fight. I always think the flyweights are exciting. So we're on to the pay-per-view. Did I did I pick that? Uh, Curtis Blades, but don't bet it. Don't bet it. Stay away from that. We're on the pay-per-view main car. We got uh Cookie Monster Punk, Chick Magnet Punk, Chicago Made Punk. Not really sure what the CM stands for. 
Just taking some guesses. So funny that they have CM Punk on the thing. His name's Phil Brooks. You know, but they had they did the same thing with Kimbo Slice. His name was Kevin Ferguson. Rest in peace. R.I.P. So CM Punk's versus Mike the Truth Jackson. Um, change your nickname, bro. They're both 0-1. Uh, 0% carry rate, 0% sub rate, 0% decision rate. Uh, Mike Jackson's slightly taller. CM Punk has a slightly longer reach. And uh, boy, is this going to be, this is going to be, it's going to be a bad fight. This is going to be, I think CM, I think CM Punk's going to win. Let me say that. Let me read the line for you. I, mean, I think he's the slight under. CM Punk's a plus 170 under with Mike Jackson being, a, he's, Mike Jackson's two to one favorite. Mike Jackson, for people who don't know, is a photographer. He photogra- uh, photographs events, UFC, Bellator, and um, he's a fighter as well. He fought Mickey Gall. The winner of that fought, fight fought CM Punk. Mike Jackson got knocked down in like 30-something seconds, or he got knocked down and choked out. CM Punk then fought Gall, got mauled in the first round. We all know the story. Um, listen, I just think CM Punk, this is a good matchup for, for him with Mike Jackson. I don't think Mike Jackson's all that talented. I haven't seen him fight, admittedly. I've seen him hit some mitts, and uh, CM Punk, they, they showed some stuff from him. I don't, MMA is such a tough sport to really get good at in such a short period of time. I think he's with a great camp. I don't know how hard he's working. I, I'm assuming he's there every day. If CM Punk loses, this has to be it for him. Um, I don't think it will be, though. I think he'll, I think he'll go and fight elsewhere. Um, but when you're 0-2 and, and, and you lose to Mike Jackson, you lose to Mike Jackson, there's no one in the UFC you can fight. So you shouldn't be fighting UFC. However, I do see CM Punk winning a really ugly fight. This is going to be just a sloppy, sloppy mess that Joe Rogan's going to comment and talk about how shitty it is and how it should be on the pay-per-view. But um, I'm going to go CM Punk as the underdog again. A lot of unders. I'm taking a lot of unders. I'm hot today. I'm telling you, I'm going to go fucking undefeated this week. Next up, Andre Lasky versus Ta Tuavasa. Ty, Ty, Ty Tuavasa. Bam, bam. Not a no from Australia. Big kid, talented kid. Um, has a lot going for him. He is a heavy-handed son of a bitch. He's got that Samoan, uh, Polynesian background. Those guys got thick, thick bones. A lot of those guys hit hard. I think this is no-brainer. I think he runs through Andre Lasky. Andre Lasky hasn't looked himself. He's a plus two ten favorite. Again, I could use the same argument I used with Rashad Evans about um, how a world champion, former world champion, is this big underdog and how can you not bet him. However, I think Ty Tuavasa is probably going to be the next guy at, at, at heavyweight. Heavyweight's so thin right now. He's ranked 12th. I think he should fight the winner of Overeem Blades next. And then from there, I think, you know, I know he changed to Mark Hunt, but Mark Hunt might be a really fun option. Um, but he's getting a title shot one day. Ty is. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. I'd avoid this fight. I don't think there's any value in Ty. This might be my lock of the night, however. Um, yeah, but there's no there's no reason to avoid this. Ty's gonna knock him out and drink uh drink beer out of a shoe, a shoey or whatever, whatever he calls. Next up we got Holly, Holly Holm versus Megan. Excuse me, Megan Anderson. I keep saying Megan. Megan Anderson, former Victor champ, making UFC debut. She was supposed to fight cyborg or someone and some personal problems popped up or, or whatever. A lot of people thought she was pregnant. She was not. Um, she fighting Holly Holm is coming off, uh, uh, the cyborg fight where she looked fantastic an amazing fight. Listen, I like Holly Holm. I think she's probably one of the more talent. I think she's the second best female fighter in the world. Uh, third best. I would go cyborg Rose than Holly, but I think Megan is just big and strong. I don't think she is as skilled as, 
uh, Holly. I think Holly could piece her apart and, and, and finish her. I think Holly could win a decision. I just see Megan being so big and strong and landing a shot on Holly Holm, who, who I don't think is chinny by any means. She took some big shots, but can be caught and is hittable. Uh, Megan Anderson, underdog at plus 180. I like that. Holly Holm is a two to one favorite. She is a minus 210. I like Megan Anderson. I don't know why. I've been riding this all week. I don't know why. I don't. I've seen Megan Anderson fight. I'm not overly impressed with her, but there's just something in this gut of mine that's telling me you better pick Megan Anderson. So what 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 time we at here? Okay, we're at 44 minutes. Run a little long. It's I, I came back from a vacation. I can run a little longer, right? So next up we got Rafael Dos Anjos versus Colby Covington for the interim welterweight title. Do not think there needs to be an interim. Colby Covington is uh, originally just so original, calling this the fake news belt. He's saying I'm going to make America great again. I'm going to make the welterweight vision great again. I'm going to make the UFC great again. Um, wonder where I heard that from, pal. Listen, I don't like Colby Covington that much. I think he's corny. I think he knows he's corny, so I think he's he's doing a little gimmicky here. He's doing a bit. Um, I think Rafael DeSanos is just some, such a better fighter than Colby Covington. I think Colby Covington is really talented. I think he's a good wrestler. He takes down everyone he fights, and I don't think DeSanos has, like, the best takedown defense. I mean, if you watch the uh, Khabib fight, he got mauled, but he handled him well against Khabib. I don't see – I don't know what Colby's going to be able to do to DeSanos to really um, – do anything on top. He's not better. He's not. I mean, Khabib is probably has the most pressure fighter on top, and and Dos Anjos survived three rounds with him. I don't see Colby being able to do that. I'm gonna go Dos Anjos. I believe he is the favorite. I would love to be uh, the dead even. Dos Anjos is actually the underdog at plus one hundred currently on UFC.com. If that's the case, I'm gonna go run and put all my savings on that. I, I think Dos Anjos is just the better fighter uh, through and through. Main event time, we got Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero. This is a run. They're running it back. This is a rematch. First fight, very entertaining. Yoel Romero won the first um, first two rounds, and Robert Whitaker took over. It was a close fight. Yoel Romero is a freak of nature. I was watching the countdown show, and the, that guy was running wind sprints with the shirt off, and I don't know how this guy's 40 years old. Robert Whitaker, a.k.a. Bobby Knuckles, I've always, ne- I, I've never like betted against him, and I've never like been for him. I think he's a tremendous fighter. He's got two losses down, at, two ugly losses down at welterweight, and I made a move up. Knockout loss to Stephen Thompson and uh, Court McGee split decision him. The first fight was close. A lot of people think that Robert Whitaker is going to come in and he's going to do the same thing in the first fight, but better because uh, in the first fight he got his knee tore up in the first or second round. I think Yoel is going to come in better. I think Yoel had a bad fight. I think Yoel is going to win this fight either by decision or finish. I think he can catch Robert. Um, I'm going Yoel. That was terrible. My apologies. Yoel Romero. I love you. At plus one ninety five, and I will love you, yo. If I if you win, and you win me the money. I'll buy your your shirt that I actually like. I don't know if I'll wear it, but I'll buy it because it actually is a pretty cool shirt. Good for you, Reebok. So let's end the uh, let's end the podcast like we always do, folks. Top five, my top five or best inner immediate rematches. Now, full disclosure, I uh, I thought that the Yo Romero. Robert Whitaker was in a media rematch type situation. It is for one guy. Um, Robert Whitaker hasn't fought since their fight, but Yo Romero knocked out uh, Luke Rockhold. So, oops. 
But anyway, these are the best immediate rematches. Not the not the best rematches in all of MMA. The best immediate, the ones that happen right after. I, I, I think you guys know what immediate means. I don't know why I keep explaining it to you. So at number five, Weidman Anderson. The first fight was... It, it was pretty uneventful in the beginning. Wyman started looking tired. He had he had a crazy layoff. He was injured for a while, and Anderson was playing with him. And then Wyman obviously landed a big left hook. The second fight, however, Wyman was mauling Anderson, dropped him with like a punch in the clinch, took him down, and was just mauling him. And Anderson, uh, the pro, the best that he is, stay calm. And then obviously the leg break, uh, very iconic, very troublesome the downside of uh, of anderson silva really the that was the the really final uh competitive fight of his career in my opinion i know he fought diaz and he has fought bisming and everything like that man i take that back he, he's had a pretty good career after that but that's number four uh number five number four is Joanna versus rose first fight a lot of people thought it was a fluke won me a lot of money thanks rose um second fight was very entertaining very close rose i think surprised a lot of people because she outstruck Joanna. i think Joanna was a little timid Think she was worried about her chin, and uh, Rose stuck. Rose put it on her, and that was uh, a tremendous fight. And uh, I like that. That was an immediate rematch for Rose, who didn't really want to give her the immediate rematch. But and uh, ultimately, there's not many uh, other girls really step up when they take that fight. Number three, Shogun versus Lyoto. Horrible, controversial decision the first time. I mean, everyone I know had Shogun winning. They run it back immediate. Shogun knocks him out in the first or second round. Can't fully remember. Pretty brutal knockout. Um, that was always fun. Uh, I'm going to kind of speak through these now. Number two, Frank Yeager versus Gray Maynard. Two classics. Absolute classics. Um, Frank Yeager is just an absolute beast. And uh, I, I love that they ran that back. Um, Frank Yeager blew me away in that. And number one, Connor Nate. Had to have been Connor Nate. First fight was great. Second fight lived up to the lived up to the hype, in my opinion. I know first fight had that crazy finish. Nate blew up. Big surprise. But I'm a Connor guy, and uh, Connor got done in the rematch. So I like that. So that's it. That's the show. Episode 23, baby. The Michael Jordan episode. Hopefully I delivered a uh, or LeBron James episode. Hmm. Embrace the bait. MJ versus LeBron James. Who's better? Um, hopefully I provided a quality episode. I am super excited about the fights this week. I will talk to you guys next week. We'll recap everything, see how much money I won. All right.